Hello friends, welcome to the After Hours Lounge. Welcome back. If you are a regular listener, my name is Sandy and I am your host. And joining me on this week's podcast is Ryan Peacock. Ryan is a professional wakeboarder, documentary filmmaker and YouTuber um, and just all round good bloke. Uh, I've been wanting to get him on the podcast for quite a while now, basically ever since I saw the um, the Dirty Habits documentary. Dirty Habits is a kind of kite surf uh, group out here in Cape Town um, and Ryan joined them to basically create a documentary all about mental health. Um, in the extreme sports industry. Um, it, it was a, a really big documentary, currently just over 140,000 views on YouTube. Um, and it really took the kind of extreme sports industry by storm. A lot of, lot of people reaching out, uh, athletes, just people in general, um, to talk about you know mental health and, and what that's like within the industry. So um, yeah, it was really cool to get Ryan on discussing uh, that, especially towards the end of the podcast. We talked about that you know in depth, uh, Ryan's own issues with mental health, why it's so important to uh, speak out about any issues that you're having, you know, thing scariest thing with mental health is that you can't see it. So the only way to know is if you talk about it. Um, so it was really cool talking to to Ryan about that. We also discussed um, his experience in the wakeboarding industry, what it's like, you know, for the kind of uh, gatekeepers of the sport, um, which essentially he, he is one of them and why he's all about being super enthusiastic, letting getting as many people into the sport as possible, letting people truly be themselves um, and have a bit of a laugh and just trying to enjoy it rather than trying to uh, always focus on trying to look cool and be the best. Uh, we talked about the importance of staying true to yourself. So, you know, him trying not to compare himself to his brother, whether it's doing the same tricks or now that they run a business together, uh, realizing which aspects of the business he operates best in compared to his brother. Um, lots to lots to get into uh, in a really, really great conversation um, with Ryan. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of value um, for anyone, whether you're a pro athlete, whether you're into wakeboarding, a- anything, uh, there's a lot to take from this one. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Ryan Peacock. Recording. Recording. We're rolling. We're rolling. Uh, Ryan Peacock, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a uh, pleasure. Yeah, no, it's good to finally do this. I think we spoke a while ago, so but it's good to connect now that I'm in Cape Town. Like I said, you, you've been on my shortlist for a while. <laughs> um, diving straight in, uh, I took a look you know, at all the, all the stuff you've done over the years and you know, was looking at um, a few of your kind of sponsor uh, websites and your sort of profiles and things. And one thing that kept coming up is you've been uh, described as a, a poster boy for the sport of wakeboarding. <laughs> what, what does, um, obviously it's quite a, quite a compliment, quite a nice thing to, to think, but what, what does that mean to, to you hearing that? Um, well, it's definitely a compliment to me. You know, I think since I was young, growing up wakeboarding, like I just absolutely loved the sport, you know? And so for me, like starting my career in wakeboarding and seeing like the difficulties and whatnot, I just really wanted to like, grow this sport you know and that's kind of my main aim for where I'm at right now is just really try and reach as many people because it's so amazing you know and uh, it's changed my life definitely so if I can kind of spread that to a wider audience then uh, then yeah I'm all for it. Yeah absolutely it's it's one of those things like it's where and I mean we, you know we'll get a lot more into the, the mental health side of it as well but it's it's one of those things where it, extreme sports is so much more than just a sport. You know, and I'm sure there are people out there that play basketball and, and things like that that will say the same thing. But especially, I find you know with board sports, extreme sports, it's so much more of like a like a lifestyle as well. As Absolutely, a 
yeah definitely i mean the people which i've met through wakeboarding i've got some of my lifelong friends that i've met, met through this sport and not only that you know but just such a wide variety of ages um like people's backgrounds what they do for jobs you know but everybody that you meet that shares this love for wakeboarding just seems to get along really well so yeah you can go to any cable park really and just kind of mingle and, and get on well with everybody so it's good yeah absolutely what's the i mean because for, for those who don't know you very much come up through this sport like with your brother haven't you mm -hmm. you know it was it's always like you know you guys got your youtube channel like the peacock brothers yeah um Talk, talk me through, I suppose, like the, the ori origins of that, because I know you guys were kind of competing against each other for quite a while, but obviously also your, your sort of family, yeah. um, you know, best mates as well. What, what's that dynamic been like over the years and, and how has it evolved into what it is now? Um, so definitely when we were growing up, I mean, we had a very close group of friends who would all ride at our local lake and uh, we were just riding together and... My parents, actually, they would take all the credit for saying to us when we were young, you should do this as the Peacock Brothers, you know. It's like, oh, shut up, mum and dad. Like, that's, that's stupid. And then, uh, yeah, and then flash forward a few years, my professional career was kind of kicking off. I was signing on to Mystic and with Ronix at the time, and I suffered a really bad knee injury. Um, and that was when I was 19, and so that put me off the water for about 13 months. So, yeah, I was kind of coming into what should be my like years to prove myself and just straight away like boom, I'm, I'm out of action. And during that time period, I was just watching a lot of YouTube and watching these guys who were just, I don't know, be getting millions of views for just the most random stuff. And so I was like, why aren't we filming? Why aren't we filming our lives? You know, we, I think we get up to some pretty cool stuff. And so then we, uh, yeah, started the YouTube channel. And from there, it's kind of, yeah, really grown now into something which is, uh, we, we have busy schedules for sure and definitely navigating through our careers, our relationship as brothers have, has been pushed sometimes as well, you know, but I'm always grateful to, to be doing what I'm doing with my brother and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, a, been a ride. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot. There's so many things I want to like un unpick in there, but let's start off, I suppose, with the first thing you said, and that's, uh, it's also something you talked about in the, in that was heavily mentioned in the documentary you made uh, the, mm -hmm. with the Dirty Habits guys, you know, with, with Graham Howes and that lot. And that is this kind of concept of injury and what it can do to not just your body, but your mindset as well um, as a professional athlete. And, you know, we've, we've all seen it so many times, but there is that pressure to be performing at all times. And like you said, 19 years old, coming onto the scene, you've signed the contract, you're like, here we go, career starting. And then boom, right, okay, well, I'm out. I'm out for a year. And in that year, I guess, yeah, you, you look at the other guy, uh, that should be me. That should yeah. be me on that podium. That should be me in this in this video project, mm -hmm. you know. Um, how do you stay strong th throughout that? Um, so I definitely, now I, I would say that I've been grateful for every injury that I've had just because whilst in the short term it's been very, like, difficult to, to kind of accept that that's happened, yeah. without that knee injury, I would... I would not have anywhere near half the skills I've got now, you know, because during that injury, I came to the realization like, damn, this isn't forever, you know, I need to, because I, I left school, I, I finished college, I got like a D in biology and then uh, and then a sports science B-Tech or something. And I was like, I'd committed to this pathway, you know, I wasn't sure how I was going to make it work, but I was like, hey, I'm committed now, I'm doing this. And so then during that time period, I had to try and think up ways of how, I could make this a bit more sustainable and like longevity wise so that I don't just have this injury and then yeah kind of I, I wasn't sure how the comeback was going to be because the doctors had said on the initial diagnosis like 
it's bad, you know, you might not get back to where you are. So I think having that time off and, and even now with my shoulder injury, it's just kind of really given me the chance to focus on getting into the gym. And, and whilst I'm not focusing on the fact that I'm not riding, it's like, what can I be doing to, to progress my life in general, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something I had a, a conversation with um, my, my friend George, who's a professional windsurfer, and he's kind of at that thing where he's just signed on an international team and he's really doing this. He's about to put his first film out. Uh, we're actually doing the premiere tomorrow night and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And he's doing it. And that's what he said as well is whilst he's working on, obviously, his um his his skills like on the water, he has got it in his head. He's like, this, this isn't forever. Um, and I think it is one of those things that, sadly, I think a lot of athletes don't think about that. You know, they they think, right, well, it's fine. You know, I mean, they feel invincible. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I mean, I, I had seen it a few times where some of my, like, idols growing up, you know, and then I would just think, like, what's happened to them? Like, what are they doing now, you know? And I, I, I'm a lot of them, I'm not really sure. They, like, went into doing selling property or something like that, you know. And for me, I was kind of like, I don't want to, I want to still, at the end of this, be able to do what I love to do. Um, and my goal was just to, whatever it takes, make this work, whether it is going to be wakeboarding for the rest of my life or whether that wakeboarding avenue can lead me into something else, then, uh, yeah, then that's the pathway that I've kind of decided to go for. Yeah. And well, I mean, and also let's talk about what, what you mentioned there with your, you know, you and your brother and you, you watch the stuff on, um, on YouTube and you were like, we, we've got something here. And I found myself watching it as well is if it's just like anonymous wakeboarder, number one, you know, going across a cable park or anonymous surfer, or whatever, yes. riding a wave. You don't care that much, do you? Whereas if you look at them and you go, oh, that's Ryan, or oh, that's, that's Ryan's brother Liam, or you go, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's whoever Kitesurfer is, you, you tend to care a lot more. And mm -hmm. I think that's why we've seen this huge rise in like the, the vlogging and, and all that stuff. And that's why people love it so much, because you can kind of put a face to the name. Absolutely, man. And I think that was kind of like, when I look back on some of the old vlogs that we made now, like I'm still in tears laughing, you know, but we were just like doing the most stupidest stuff. And uh, I think that having the confidence to kind of put yourself out there that is that is the scariest part, you know, because it's kind of like, oh, what is anybody going to think of this? And I remember when we started the YouTube channel, we were both discussing like, oh, we're probably going to get ripped for this by like the wakeboard community, you know. But actually, we didn't like, we didn't really get that much backlash at all, to be honest. And it was it was really good. But yeah, now now looking back at those kind of first videos, I remember it was so scary to to put yourself out there, but it just it's a skill which develops over time, you know, and now I feel super comfortable in, in front of a camera or coming and doing a podcast with you just because it's something which has kind of been practiced now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the same as learning a new trick on the water. You know, it's just putting, putting the reps in, putting the reps in. You know, it's one of those things that's just got to be practiced um, o over and over again. Um, and it, but it's also, do you feel like you got that confidence initially to go for it because you were doing it with your brother? Like, do you think it would have been harder if you were by yourself or did you guys kind of egg each other on or was it a bit more of like a, uh, you know, fuck it, let's just have a go and see what happens? Um, yeah, I think it was just kind of a, like, what have we got to lose, really? I yeah. was the one that had the initial idea to, to do it. And then, yeah, Liam kind of got on board as well. And then we both just found that we really enjoyed it, you know? And it was like, okay, this doesn't seem like that hard work I'm having fun we're editing the vlogs I'm always laughing you know like that's what I do really love about YouTube and even if I get no views it's so fun for me to just sit there and I'm laughing all the time and just like reminiscing on things so but yeah it was definitely just like a we're gonna try this 
if it works, great. If not, then then whatever. But I think the key is always perseverance with anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we said it just before mm. um just before we hit record about you know podcasting and stuff like that. And I said the the average podcast has seven episodes. Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's the thing, and I think it's such a good lesson for anyone to take away is is that like you don't don't be scared of having a go. Mm-hmm. You know, you, what does I, I think it was Ricky Gervais. It was like you don't you don't have to be great to start but you have to start to be great. Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually quite like, for me now, um, staying out here, I'm staying with my girlfriend and just seeing her, like she's now kind of setting up her own business and stuff and just watching her go through that process of like being so scared to film a story of herself talking, you know, and she's like, oh yeah, but maybe I can do it this way. And it's like, but you need to stand out amongst the masses, you know, what is going to make you different and I think that's kind of what we took into account is like right we need to be the ones who are kind of doing these crazy vlogs or these challenges just so that then people yeah for one like you said previously people get to know you or at least feel like they know you and then uh, yeah and then you're going to be standing out amongst a crowd of just wakeboarding clips you know or, or, or cooking clips in, in Melissa's example yeah well that that comes come, comes back to what we were kind of saying earlier you know and as well it's all about uh, staying true to yourself as well and if you and your brother are like well we like to kind of piss around a little bit and do funny things and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's like well lean into that then otherwise you're just anonymous wakeboarder one and anonymous wakeboarder two absolutely you're just, you're just someone out there oh they just did a cool trick and then no one cares whereas if they're like oh that's that he made me laugh the yes other day. and that's such a human connection is someone who like makes you laugh or tells a story that you relate to or anything like that people are often going to enjoy that a lot more than seeing someone do like a you know, huge sick trick or, or on the water or anything like that. You know, Definitely. There, there's so much more relatability um, within within that. And I think that's actually now now that we're setting up our kind of coaching camps and, and different sort of avenues there with the coaching side of things, that has really helped as well to, to have people kind of see who you are so they really feel like they know you before they've even come to your camp or onto your coaching session or something like that, you know. So it's almost like an indirect relationship that you're making with these people which is really cool well that's yeah that's like another huge thing that's interesting to talk about within like extreme sports and that's kind of this idea of like it being so tribal and there's like the gatekeepers and things like that and it it can be super intimidating for so many people to get into it whether it's wakeboarding surfing windsurfing uh last couple of years i got into brazilian jiu-jitsu and like i tried to to walk into the gym and i like stood there at the window looking in and (laughs) see guys like putting their gi on and stuff and i was like i can't do this you know and then and then i walked in and everyone was the nicest people in the world yes you know what what how how have you how's your experience been with like it obviously you're extremely talented so i imagine you're kind of you you get let in the doors if you know what i mean but i'd be interested to get your thoughts on it especially because you're in you know essentially a different sport to me i don't know wakeboarding hugely well but you know how what's that kind of gatekeeping experience you know been like for you and how have you tried to stop that happening especially now that you're doing the coaching side of things um i would say to be honest like it's never really been too much of the gatekeeping to be honest like when when you come to the cable park you know everybody's very friendly just kind of like welcoming you in i mean when it's like a summer's day and it's like rammed with beginners or something and there's just the yellow helmets everywhere sometimes like people do get a little bit annoyed and do silly things with them but yeah i would like to say that most most parks are very inclusive and uh you know i think for me the most important thing to make somebody feel is that they should they don't need to be embarrassed for their skill level or something you know it's kind of like okay the more the more welcoming we can be the more people that are actually going to come back and try and continue to do this you know so I do think we've been quite lucky in that respect of not like 
having localism, like you say, the surfing and stuff, and I see clips of surfers fighting, and I'm like, what is that about, man? Yeah. That is uh, that is crazy. Yeah, I think, I wonder if it's like because sometimes, because I think about it with windsurfing too, you know, windsurfing sounds like it's, by the sounds of it, it's exactly the same as wakeboarding. You arrive at any windy beach and everyone straight away is coming over and saying hi and saying what size sail they're on. Oh, maybe you should take this. I just came in and everyone's super friendly. And then, like you said, sometimes surfing, everyone sort of turns their nose up at you. Yeah, I get it. Often I wonder if it's just simply because it's maybe a bigger sport. But I think a lot of people in, in these kind of slightly smaller water sports, kiting, windsurfing, wakeboarding, these kind of things, I think there's this element of everyone knows the tide rises all ships. If we're all nicer to each other and bring more people into the sport, yes. all everything's going to do is grow, especially if you're in your position where you're a coach, you're a professional athlete, everything. The, the more people get into the sport, the bigger the sport is, the more likely you are to have a long career. Exactly, exactly. And that's kind of my exact train of thought as well, is just like, don't... you. you one opportunity could come from like just the most random person you know as well so i think you're you're rather off being nice to everybody than you know being a being a dick to that one person or something so just yeah be be nice is uh is is key really yeah it's uh, yeah like ego is like something i've been you know thinking about a lot and as as i've got back into the podcast in the last few weeks and i've spoken to a few of like the kind of professional athletes and like i said i have my very close friend george on recently and he's got really good in the last couple of years suddenly and then like I say just signed you know an international deal with Duotone biggest biggest brand in the industry and all the, all this sort of stuff and I've like traveled a lot with him over the last couple of years and I noted that he hasn't developed an ego when he's very easily could have mm-hmm. um do you, do you think there was ever a point for like you and your brother where you kind of maybe got a, a bit sort of caught up in it or do you, did you have a kind of circle around you that really kept you down to earth or did you do that between you and Liam? Were you guys kind of doing it to each other? I think that we both always kind of maintained the mindset of just being the same like young kids that we were yeah. growing up, you know. So to to us, like, it's never really felt like we're better than any riders, you know. We're just two normal guys who have spent enough time on the lake that we got good at wakeboarding. So to me, yeah, there's never really been a feeling of uh, superiority or anything like that. But I would say that I maybe have suffered from the like flip side of that in the respect that once I started to get more well-known and stuff, then I was very aware that people were almost like expecting a show or something, you know? So that was kind of like, for me, something which I had to deal with and also like, yeah, come to terms with just like being myself. Like I've got my younger brother, and he's like doing the craziest tricks ever. I mean, Liam's an absolute machine. And then my style of riding is very different. But also, like when I watch him, and he's like super good. And then I see people, or oh, we've got like a big crowd there. Then I'm like, oh man, now I've got to do something like really cool. So I think for me, just yeah, learning to deal with that kind of like expectation and then just accepting like, okay, this is how I ride, this is what I do and, and this is how like who I am then, yeah, that was that was like the flip side of it for me, I would yeah. say. Oh, no, that's that that's really interesting. Uh, and and I think that's also like something, it's, it's essentially like stage fright, isn't it? You yeah. Know, an, an actor going out and forgetting their lines, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. How, uh, over the years, would you say it's just come down to, you know, just experience of you dealing with it or how how did you deal with that in the in the first few instances compared to like now when you, you know, you say, it sounds like you've kind of got a bit more of a lid on it or is it still a work in progress? Um, well, when, so I would say the first, uh, the first real moment that I had of this is when Liam landed a double flip off the kicker before me. We were like still very young. He was like 13 and I was 15. And back in the day, like that kind of spurred progression, you know, which was really good because we had this like kind of rivalry and he would like land that. And then I got to go try this. I'd land something, then he'd, uh, he'd try it as well. 
Um, but yeah, just over the years, like I think it has kind of become very obvious that like the way that we ride is different. And uh, yeah, I frequently say to him, there's many things that you can do, which I can't. And then he also says back to me, like with my technicality and stuff is, uh, is very hard for him to do those kind of tricks. So yeah, just, just riding with him and, and kind of knowing that we are a team has really been the most helpful thing, I'd say. Yeah, so like view, viewing yourself as a team rather than kind of competing against each other. Definitely, definitely. And I think that trying to bring that through into the business side of things as well, you know, I said earlier, like our relationship has been tested many times through the course of this because, uh, yeah, you know, thing, things pop up and we're trying to kind of share the workload equally and it can be stressful at times, especially when it's like the peak of summer. But yeah, now we're at, now we're at a really good place together so we can uh, work together well and ride and enjoy the enjoy the wakeboarding mainly i think i think it's one of those things it, it's really good to view it through the prism of like wakeboarding and going my style is different to his style and once i realized that i was able to do it but like that applies to everything in every single aspect of life yes like, essentially it just comes down to realizing like that this is who i am and that's absolutely fine yeah and actually if i try and emulate who this guy is it won't work you know it, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm i'm just gonna i'm just gonna fail it so actually you know, again, looking at it, yeah, through through wakeboarding. If I try the same trick as him, I'm not going to land it because yes. that's not the kind of trick I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this one instead, and I know I'm going to land it, mm -hmm. and and it's going to be great. Definitely. And I think that and that that like like I said that that goes through every aspect of life is is realizing that you well, I can't remember what it was that you can you've got to realize that you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yes. You know, and it's so easy because especially in this. I don't want to mean to sound a thousand years old, but in this day and age as well, like you truly can do anything, you know, with the internet, everything like in terms of like business or yes. what you want to do for a living or all the sports available and, and things like that. I appreciate not everyone has access to these sports, but um, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, you know, you can do anything, but if you think you can do everything, you're going to be very disappointed. Absolutely. And that is also like, it's funny that you say that because also whilst I'm out here, it's my off season. Like I'm a guy that doesn't really like to kind of sit still, you know? So I'm also like kind of planning next season. I'm going to the gym and stuff, but then there's still that something inside of me, which almost like hates that when I feel like I'm sitting still or not doing anything, you know, it's like, Oh, maybe the other day I was thinking, Oh, maybe I should look into setting up a e-commerce, like little side hustle thing. And then, Part of me is just like, oh man, but do you really need to like just enjoy the time that you've got and th that stuff can come later. <laughs> exactly that. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I, c I imagine there's so many people that listen to this that think exactly the same thing. And, and I'm, I'm exactly the same. You know, the, the minute, the minute I feel like I'm quiet, like I just have this thing where I, I feel, I always feel the need to be productive. Yes. I find it so hard to like, even like if I want to sit and like listen to a podcast or read a book or something, I'm like, oh, I'll go for a walk while I do it mm -hmm. so that I get some steps in or something. Like I can't just lie on the sofa and do it mm -hmm. or anything because I'm like, something productive has to happen, whether it's like it means I'm exercising while I'm doing it or, or anything like that. Yes. Even at the point now where like sitting and watching a film, I sometimes kind of struggle with because I'm like, I should be, I should be DMing people to come on the podcast yeah. or, or I should be doing this. But like you said, and you know, me and me and the, the boys, we always you know say it to each other. We remind each other about how... Uh, you know, t time is our most valuable currency. Yes. We're like, you, you know, you can always make more money, but you ain't getting your time back. That is actually what last year taught me. I mean, we had for sure one of the best seasons ever, like business-wise, but then on the flip side of that, we were so done by the end of the season. It was just like, oh man, it's really kind of taught me that like we could pack out our schedules completely, you know, but to, to what real benefit is that? You know, I'd rather be able to enjoy my summers 
rather than coming into it each year just like oh god here we go you know <laughs> like we're going in for the whirlwind again so yeah i think that um just trying to enjoy the the present moment of everything that you're doing is is very important as well as trying to avoid that like yeah that work 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 is is so important to have time for yourself as well yeah absolutely yeah being i say i call it being being where your feet are like mm-hmm. staying present but it's I can't remember where I read it or something like that, but I was I was reading about how, you know, a few hundred years ago or whatever, when all we did was farm, you know, back in the UK and we were farmers, we were like a really like seasonal workers. And then for me, having spent so much time in Greece, um, obviously their their uh, year is very, very seasonal, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of the, the, the locals that live in, in Greece on this small island where I, where I lived and worked for so long, um, they work solidly for like eight months of the year, whether yeah. it's their restaurant, their bakery, their taxi service, their, whatever it is they do, mm-hmm. they will just graft and work so hard. And then for the other four mo- four or five months of the year, they do fuck all. Yeah. They do nothing. And like, you know, going back to these, these farmers and all this, I think it was the actor Jeremy Irons was talking about it. He was like, back in, back in the day, he was like, we'd farm, we'd harvest, we'd do all that, we'd get all we needed for everything. And then we'd spend the winter sitting in pubs and singing, yeah, yeah. singing and reading books and drinking and eating and being with our friends and all this. And then we'd start work again a few months there. And he's like, we, we got into this thing as soon as like factories came round of everyone's got to work a nine to five all year round and do all this. And it's like, actually, now we kind of don't need to do that again. That's, that's exactly what like kills me is I, I do feel some guilt sometimes because everybody around me is like working loads yeah. and like I see people doing things on Instagram and stuff. And I'm kind of just like, sweet, I'm... I'm chilling here and really kind of guilt trips me sometimes that I'm not doing enough but then it's like actually I work hard in the summer and if this is how I want to spend my like off season then then great I think ultimately it comes down to like trying not to compare yourself to others yes. which is a constant battle comparison is the thief of joy but mm-hmm. also like the what uh, I'm spilling out the quotes today there's some quote <laughs> yeah, you master there's, quotes, some, there's some there's some quote that's like the the richest man in the world is the one who realizes when he has enough yes you know, and that, and that's, but, but the definition of enough to all of us is completely different. The definition of, for me, of what is enough is entirely different to my best friends in the world who, because we're best friends, we share a lot of very similar values of how yes. we live life and things. But equally, my definition of enough is entirely different to them. Yes, absolutely. You know, it depends on how you've grown up, how you've done this, you know, what, what you, your ambitions are, everything mm-hmm. like that. And, and by enough, I don't just mean like how much money you've got in the bank. I mean like, like we were talking about earlier when you first came over and we were talking about how you love living here because it's sunny during, yes, during, the, during yes. the time when the weather's shit. And even just like going for a sea, you know, mm-hmm. going for a swim in the sea, you come out in the morning and you're like, that's enough for me. For yeah, me. yeah, definitely. You know? And I think it's kind of, yeah, just fig- figuring that out along the way because you can, it's very easy to get greedy when the opportunities come to you. But also like for, for what is it really, you know, I think... At the moment, for me, I'm kind of like pretty content with the way things are going and yeah, just trying to avoid that like constant wanting for more, you know? Well, all that does as well is like, you know, in terms of like your kind of mental well-being as well. Obviously, you know, you said you're recovering from an injury, but if you just over overburn yourself, you're just going to end up burning yourself out. Yeah. And then you're going to have to take even more time off. Yeah, that burnout is no joke, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's not not so good. It's like when you can feel things piling up on top of you, but then it's also like, you're just so like when I, when I get close to that burnout stage, I can feel it. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just ready to almost like do nothing here, you know, but yeah, yeah, you have to keep, keep pushing through sometimes, but 
not a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for for me, like working, I've I've kind of like tried loads of different ways of doing it so that I don't. And I found for me, like it's I work little and often, mm-hmm. even if it means I sometimes do work on a Saturday and a Sunday as well, because like I. I don't have ADHD or anything. I've never been diagnosed with it or, or, or anything like that, but I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't. Um, I just sometimes, I can't sit still for yeah. like, e- even like five or six hours. Like I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. I was never the kid in school who could do it either. Uh-huh. Um, so now I've realized that actually I, I tend to work in like two or three hours mm-hmm. and I'll like, and I'll smash out everything I need to do. And I do it all as soon as I wake up. I'm like, if I win the morning, I win the day. Yes. So I get up and I get as much as I can done. And then I might chill and go for a walk or swim in the sea or uh-huh. go windsurf or, or whatever. And then maybe I'll come back and do that again yeah. if I need to. Yeah. I also feel like sometimes you've got to just be in the right like mindset for, for working. And sometimes I try and like schedule my days where it's like, hey, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do this now. And then it's just like, oh, I don't really feel like doing that now. you know. And then I end up shifting things around. But yeah, I think like what you say, win the morning, win the day. Like I have a pretty solid morning routine now just like gym yeah go for a little swim nice ice bath here so oh nice <laughs> yeah well the sea's just flipping cold yeah isn't it's it? freezing so. man. it's freezing <laughs> um yeah and then i try and get some reading in a little bit of meditation and then and i can start my day is is routine quite an important thing for you then um i would say yeah now like the older that i've got the more i realize that i need a good routine which also sometimes makes the summers of like busy traveling very difficult you know because it's like we're sometimes up early for a shoot or like just moving around all the time. And then once I've kind of like lost that rolling ball, it's almost like everything just becomes a bit more difficult. I just feel groggy and then it's like, no, I'm not like stretching or anything. So it kind of like becomes a very slippery slope, but I just have to learn to kind of like keep it, keep it all ticking over, whether it's just less frequently or something cannot let the loss of a routine just completely derail you, you know? Do you have any like kind of, um, like anchors or something you know say like while you're traveling or you're on a shoot is there anything that you try and do like each day to sort of bring yourself bring yourself back or does it does it vary day to day yeah it varies day to day to be honest i should probably find one could be quite helpful i actually recently just bought this little like uh kindle scribe so you can write on it and stuff ah, so cool. i do try and journal and that nice. and stuff and i can have my all my books in there because i tried flying around with big books before and it's just a pain in the ass yeah. <laughs> when, when i've got such little precious space left already it's like don't want to take a massive book in my yeah. backpack yeah i think i mean that's like you know it's it's such a common thing and everyone listening will have heard it a million times you know it's like the, the journaling and just like reading for a little bit and things like that like i've uh at the start of january i started kind of like journaling a little bit. I literally do it on my notes app on my on my laptop. Nice. So I don't I don't write anything. Yeah. But I just get stuff out. Usually I write. I, literally, literally, it takes me two minutes. Um, and I've not been like hesitant about it. I read. So I read Matthew McConaughey wrote a book about it called Green Lights. Yes. It's all about journaling and how his idea is like don't just journal the bad stuff. Journal the good stuff. Yes. He's like then when you go back and read it, you realize you're like oh life wasn't actually that bad yeah yeah like, even, actually, even maybe though i thought it was at the time exactly yeah. exactly it's so it's when you when you're in it it's so easy to think this is all consuming and everything's so horrible and yes. things like that. but actually even like just a few days later i've you know like um i i went back and read like even stuff from last week and i'm like those problems don't exist anymore yeah and it's so it, it and then that gives you more confidence mm-hmm. as you move forward and have more problems to go well that problem I had that I thought was going to ruin everything <laughs> five days later was, wasn't. was Yeah, not even a thing. Exactly. Man. Yeah, yeah. C- all consume it. But that's actually what I do really love about our like YouTube vlogs as well. Like 
it's almost like a time machine, you know. I can watch an old one and it's like, boom, I'm instantly back to how I was feeling there and like what was going on in my life at that time. So I think that for, for us moving forward, we definitely want to try and like keep up with the vlogs as well because that's such a like fun archive that we're building of just like things that have happened in life, you know. So yeah. I would I would recommend to people to vlog if they if they feel confident enough to do so. It's just it's like like you said, you know, and I, I kind of I view the same thing with this podcast for yes. me as well. You know, it's quite nice to just have an archive mm-hmm. of like things you've done and conversations you've had, and for you as well, it's like adventures that you've been on with your brother. You know, it's like it's a bit like uh you know for for us when the our parents bring out the the photo albums yes. and stuff like that. Like that that's what it'll be mm-hmm. in twenty years time. You know. If Probably and when, digitized. Even when, when you've got kids, you're like, right, kids, let's watch. You yeah. know, me, and, me and Uncle Liam when we were teenagers, doing, yeah. doing this, doing this silly, silly, doing you know, silly stupid stuff. things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with with the vlogging and stuff, then is it? Um, you know, I, I guess we we have touched on this this already, but I suppose this is also just in general for like extreme sports and stuff. Going going back to the sort of gatekeeping side of it, it's not just about that. There's like always this pressure to kind of look and and be a bit of a, a kind of certain way you know you've got to look cool you've got to be in shape you've got to look, yeah yeah and it, it's something like I've I've struggled with quite a lot you know in in, in the windsurfing so I, I was um I've, I've lost a lot of weight in the last couple of years um you know probably like over to well over 10 kilos and stuff wow. and I always felt quite out of place compared to all my yes. other friends and stuff and then you know I don't have beautiful long hair and, and all this stuff and you do feel like quite out of place um has, has there been that kind of pressure for you boys or have you always just been like, nah, all I care about is actually doing the sport? And what's your experience like we've been with that, with coaching as well, I suppose? Um, well, definitely, I think that... I would say, like... Let me just think up an answer. <laughs> um, yeah. Please repeat the question for me. I suppose, that, like, essentially <laughs> it's like... What what's your experience been with like feeling like you have to look a certain way to to be a part of the sport? Both through like your yourself and you know your brother being in front of a camera and stuff. You're like you know need to make sure we look cool and we look on brand and yeah. we've got we've got the right yeah. shirt on. We've got all this on. But then also the coaching side of things, um, you know, making sure that people are it's like I suppose like inclusive and that people people feel like that they can come in and, and yeah. be a part of it, even though they might not look at look look the part. I suppose absolutely. I mean, I would say that from quite young both Liam and I have been quite outgoing you know so it's not really I have never felt too much of too much pressure to kind of like look how I think people expect me to look you know I've just kind of been like hey this is me and it's like I'm I'm confident to to show that um but also I think with like the coaching side of it you know it, it it's so nice for me to be able to get somebody on board that might not think that they look cool or something, you know, and then I could just hype them up and, you know, we have some, some kind of middle-aged guys come on there who maybe don't do the most extreme tricks, but it's like, yes, man, you know, that's so cool. If you, if you're willing to go out there and I, I, I mean, I would be scared to sign up to a coaching camp with like some, some pros from another sport, for example, but I think that would be so cool. Like to just be able to hype them up and really like, give them some encouragement and tell them like, you know, you are cool. You, you don't need anybody to like, you don't need to worry about whether, whether people think you are or not. Like the fact that you're here and you're doing this is, is, is super cool, you know? So yeah, I think to, to any people just try not to worry about what other people think because you you are who you are, you know? And that's, that's all you've got, whether it's with the way that you look or something, as soon as you can make peace with, with that, then you're going to struggle a lot less, I think. Yeah. So, that's such a nice way of looking at it and definitely like rings really true with with me as well you know with, with my experience with him within windsurfing and teaching windsurfing for such a long time is like 
and there definitely is a thing. There definitely is something there of, you know, people feel like they don't look the part, so they feel like they can't be a part of it. Yes. Uh, so it's awesome to see there's guys like, you you know, you boys uh, trying to encourage people. Look, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, maybe, you, you know, could lose a few pounds or maybe, yeah. you, you know, you feel like you don't look the part because you don't have a beautiful tan. Yes, or, or, yes. or, you know, and it's very easy for people to think that, you mm-hmm. know, people do feel very self-conscious about the way they look. But once you're up and riding, whether it's being pulled by a cable or the wind's powering yes. you or you're, you're on a wave or anything feels the same. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I think if you can if you can just have that person there that's even like hyping you up more, you know, that's kind of like any time that we come into a coaching camp or something, I, I just say to Liam, like, let's just hype the fuck out of these people, you know, <laughs> like let's just make them have the best week ever because it's so fun for us as well. Like when you see those people just like cheering for each other and like building that community of just like a group of friends then who can all cheer for each other is amazing. Well, absolutely. I think it's, it, it's, um, it's very easy to think that like negativity is really, you know, negativity is very contagious. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as someone be, is negative, other people are like, oh, well, I'll be negative as well and stuff. But I think because of that, a lot of people forget that positivity is also really contagious. Yes. And if you have one or two people going, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Then everyone else is like, oh, maybe I could start, yeah. Woo, you know. And then, you know, people claiming a trick and people like la- maybe land something, but not so well yes. or, you know, in a- any other aspect of life. Someone does something, but they're like, I-, I thought that was cool and I'm really happy. But they're a bit scared to like, you know, showcase that they're really, yeah. yeah, claim it. Exactly. But then if someone else claims it for them, it, it just, like yes. you said, it just brings in such a, such a brilliant sense of Good community. vibes. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people these days, especially men, and this is like something really interesting, and I wonder if you've got anything to say this. I feel like sometimes men are so scared to be like enthusiastic about things. They're so worried about not looking cool yes. that they they don't want to like whoop or do yeah. this. And you know, I've got uh, so many friends who are girls, and the minute any of them does anything windsurfing on the water, they're all Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all this. And the boys, like we, I, I think we now make more of an effort to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a bit of reticence at the start of like, nah, you know, you've got, you've got to be cool and, yes. you know, not claim it and all this. Uh-huh. And I've, I I think I definitely did that for a few years and now I really try and push back on it and I see any of my friends do a trick, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think, like you said, it, it just, it, it creates such a better vibe on the definitely, water. Definitely, man. Yeah, I think that uh, just just spreading positivity, you can't, you can't go wrong with it, really. And I don't want to be, because I mean, when we were younger, we had a few like, older riders who had like first when we first learned the double flips like one of them filmed us and had like posted it saying it was unlegit or something because we didn't grab it and i was just like man what the hell that's like i'm super stoked to be like all of these pro riders flew into uh plastic playground the competition and at that time i was like sick can't wait to show all these all these pros that i can do a double flip and then they post it on the story i'm just like man that hurts you know that's not that's not nice so i think i would never uh never want to do that to somebody else yeah, I mean that comes down to like uh, the only the only people that will ever put you down are people that are beneath you. Yes, like no no one who's doing better than you is ever going to put you down. Yes, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, so often when people do that, like you said, it's an older pro who goes, "Oh shit, this kid's coming up and he's getting really good. And he's probably going to be better than me." Yeah, year. yeah. So I'm like, let's put him down now while I can. And that's know? and that's the thing. I think you know anybody, even if somebody has something bad to say about you, like. That's cool. I don't even want. I don't even want to hang out with you, anyways. Then, if you're gonna just, if you're gonna say nasty things or just like be a source of negativity, then it's like, I don't really, don't really have time for that in my life, you know. So I'd rather just keep the, keep the positive homies alive and uh, yeah, keep yeah. keep the good vibes going. Absolutely. 
with the with the kind of good vibes thing and it, it it's very easy to look at a professional athlete like yourself especially one who as you've said you know you've you and your brother, you've always been quite outgoing. You're quite confident. You're quite now. Now you've learned to be quite happy in front of a camera with the vlogging and stuff, um, and and you're quite honest about about things as well as we've you know just seen w- with this podcast and stuff. You in in the documentary with um with with Graham Howes from Dirty Habits and stuff. You know all about mental health and and all this. One of the big themes through it was like why it's still such a taboo thing within the extreme sports industry. Why especially. You know, and, and mm-hmm. kind of sports in general. And for me, I think a lot of it is because, and Aaron Hadlow literally says it in the documentary. Aaron Hadlow's a, a very successful professional kite surfer, for anyone who's unsure. Um, and he says in the documentary, he's almost like, even when he has kind of had slight bad episodes of, you know, his, his mental well-being and stuff, and he's, he's felt quite down and things, he almost felt like he shouldn't be talking about it because he's like, well, I'm a pro athlete living the dream and there's people out there yes. who've got it far worse than me. Mm-hmm. Is that something that kind of rang rang true with with you, or what your experience has been like at all? Or yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the main the main problem behind it is athletes, and especially extreme sports athletes. They people kind of look at them as like these glamorous, uh, yeah, just like adrenaline junkies. You know, they're clearly scared of nothing, so they aren't gonna feel like depression or anxiety or anything like that. So I think for me, that definitely kind of made it a lot harder to kind of talk about my sort of journey with mental health and stuff. And at that time when, when I reached out to Graham and I was like, okay, I, I want to help you do this. Cause he posted originally like a YouTube video and, and things like that. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to help, help you here and let's get this thing out there. And whether you're just starting out as an amateur at a sport or actually anybody in general, you know, it's just, we wanted to produce this documentary to encourage people to talk out about, mental health and yes it is scary but that is like that's the the only way for you to help yourself you know is to really kind of reach out to people and and uh yeah hold hold those dear to you close mm, absolutely what what was that um what was that experience like you know connect connecting with graham to kind of to kind of make that and, and get that started you know had, had you guys kind of spoken about this sort of stuff before or was that all quite um in, instantaneous were you, were you a bit like because f- for me i to, to give you a bit of background for, for for me, just quickly, like I, so I put this podcast out uh, without really telling anyone. Uh, I I think a few people had a vague idea that I'd had like a couple of issues with my my, my mental health, and then um, I I started the podcast about a year after I had like essentially like I was basically about to take my own life, and then I for some reason I phoned my mom, and my mom was like, get on a plane to Scotland immediately, and all this. Anyway, so a year later, I put this podcast out, and straight away, like two or three of my close mates messaged me and was like. I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. Was what 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 was that like for for you and Graham when you connected about this doing this documentary? Did you guys were you guys already chatting about the stuff um, that you guys were both going through, or was it was yeah it, was it one of those things where you connected straight away about it? So um, yeah, Graham posted his initial YouTube video. It was literally just him sat down yeah. in front of his webcam chatting to the camera. Yeah, I remember it. And I at the time had also been going through a bit of a like crisis. I would call it just like wasn't really sure if I wanted to still pursue the wakeboarding side of things or if I wanted to go into more filmmaking and I was really just kind of like I don't know wasn't feeling so good in my life and right. um yeah so the season finished and I said right I'm just gonna completely switch switch up my off season I'm gonna go out to Cape Town and uh I, I came with one of my friends Agna she's from Lithuania she runs lots of uh kite surfing camps and stuff out here and uh 
yeah, I'm, I, I was in contact with Graham beforehand, and I was like, look, if you can, if you can kind of assist me whilst I stay out here, then I'm, I will help you make the documentary. And we kind of came in when I flew in. We had no real plan for it whatsoever. It was literally just like, okay, well, we both know that this is like an issue. We want to make a documentary on it. We didn't really like plan anything. It was like, let's just go and find these athletes and we'll just chat with them and see what we can make of it, you know. And it was, yeah, I was here for six months altogether and just, uh, yeah, working on that thing day in, day out. But it was definitely like one of the hardest things for me to put together. The, the topic of mental health and trying to just like assemble these bits of information that from the interviews that we had it was so difficult to kind of get it in a way which flowed and anyways the six months passed we we finished it off and then uh yeah the the, the response from it was just incredible I mean we we actually finished it and then it wasn't until about a year and a half later because we, we wanted to try and get it on some streaming platforms or something like that and then Graham just said you know what it. let's just try and put this out on YouTube see where it goes and yeah it racked up it's now got over 100,000 views which I'm very very pleased about it was about 140 as of yesterday yeah yeah that's just amazing it, it was way more than we were expecting because I was I was really hoping it wasn't going to be one of those where it's like you post it on YouTube and it just like <laughs> no one watches it no yet. views um but yeah off the back of that we got so many people messaging us i got lots of people from the wakeboard community just like reaching out and stuff and it like really highlighted to me like okay now that i've spoken out about this it means that people feel comfortable talking to me about it you know i think everybody if you're struggling you don't ever think to consider that maybe somebody else is going through the same thing you just look at everybody else and it's like oh you've clearly got your shit together you know and you look at them and there's nothing wrong but yeah maybe there might be something going on behind the scenes which you don't know about and yeah just it, it, it was really good man that was a very tough project for me to do but glad glad we got it done what that like that's why uh mental health is, is so terrifying because you can't see it mm -hmm. you know you look at um all the the famous people that have taken their own lives, like Robin Williams, one of the most outgoing, funniest human beings that this world has ever known. Yeah. One of the most successful comedians and actors of all time. No one knew. Chester Bennington, the, the lead singer of Linkin Park, the yeah. pic picture taken the day before he took his own life. He's standing looking at this beautiful view with his, with his family, with all his four kids and his wife, smiling away. The next day, he took his own life, and no one knew. Yeah, it's you know, crazy, that, man. And, you know, if if someone breaks their back or breaks their leg or, or does anything, you can see it. Yeah, you can see it, and you will you will stand aside and open a door for them. You will people will go out of their way to make sure that that person gets to where they need to go. Yeah, but with mental health, you can't do that unless you talk about it. Yes, 100%. and then people will people will open the door for you, and that's the also the thing is because you can't see it, people, the 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 person who's suffering will think no one will believe them. And then that's why people don't talk about it, especially yeah. men, because men are meant to be big and powerful, yes. and you know, all this. And, and actually, um, once you do talk about it, like you, like you just said there, as soon as you talk about it, other people go, well, I put my hand up as well. Yeah, I'm suffering with that too. Yes. I'm, I'm literally in the same boat as you, but we, we didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is, is so scary. Definitely. And I think one of the things through this whole kind of mental health journey as well, which has, which has taught me, I mean, now I regularly just have a phone call with the mum and dad, you know, like that, that in itself, whether I called them two, three times, I used to just go away and not really call them at all. And then like things would start to get bad and I just keep everything inside me, you know, but now it's like, okay, actually just give my mum a call. So I've actually like, 
you know, I've been struggling with this a little bit or I'm like feeling unproductive and I'm procrastinating a lot and she just like brings me back down and it's like, do you know what, actually, it's it's okay, you know. If, if you can get it out sooner, like once you can feel something building up, if you can talk about it like early, then you don't find yourself getting down into that like deep hole, you know. So the sooner you can open up and, and just tell people, oh, I'm not really feeling so good, then it's uh yeah, then it's a bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know that that's been like a, a huge, huge thing for me. It took it took me far too long in my life to to go start going to therapy, um, and then I spent most of last year in, in therapy. I stopped at the end of last year because um, I, I just started working with a like a business mentor as well, and I was like, I'm going to focus on this for a bit because I kind of got to the point with therapy where I was like. I don't know. It sounds like weird to say. I was like, I need to go and like do this on my own for a bit. Yes. And try and like just figure this stuff out. And then maybe I'll go back to there in a few yeah. months. But I was working with this mentor, and then I'll probably go back after I finish this trip. But right now, I'm like, kind of at a point where I'm like, I'd like to try and do this myself. But yes. like you said, I still, still, my mum's probably fed up of it. You know, <laughs> I probably phone her every every other day at least. Cause yeah. Same same reason as you've said. Um, do you feel you know after putting the documentary out, you had this overwhelming reception? You know, so many people were amazed by it. And, People came out of the woodwork and said, "This is something I've struggled with." Have you, um, have you felt any pressure come come with that of feeling like suddenly people are talking to you about it? And it, has has it been like quite overwhelming? Because um, yeah, some I I had a few people message me which I wouldn't really like expect to have done. Um, but after that kind of initial launch, nowadays it hasn't. I haven't really been getting so many messages, but I also haven't really been pushing too much on the mental health side right. of side of things on my on my socials. So. I would say after the initial launch, yes, it, it it was kind of cool to see these people reaching out. But yeah, I think I definitely should try and uh, put put up on the old Insta, you know. Well, no, it's, here and... it, it's not. I think it's not a no one. This is also like the the flip side of it is no one should feel the pressure to be talking about yes. mental health as well. Yeah. So you know, for example, like this, this is in the last couple of months or in the last couple of weeks. Sorry, I, I've got back into the podcast after basically taking almost a year off from it mm-hmm. because I was like. You know, some things happened in my life where I was like, I'm not in a position to talk about mental health right now. Yeah. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't be, I can't sit and have these conversations because right now I need to sort my own shit out. Yes. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, while I was in Brazil, windsurfing every day and, and living the dream and all this, I was like, right now I don't want to talk about yes. it. Yes. And that's, you've got, I, I kind of had to come to this realization that that was okay. Mm-hmm. So even, and, and hopefully you can know that as well. Even though you did this huge mental health documentary and all this, you don't need to talk about it every day because yeah. also no one no one can listen to that to do that you know every day that's why therapists exist and psychologists mm-hmm. and stuff like that you you know yeah. that's, that's not that's not what you need you need to do uh-huh. but it's it's an interesting balance of like as soon as you start talking about mental health i think sometimes you feel like you need to always be talking yes, about it yes 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 and definitely. it's definitely not the case and i also think that like on the flip side of it I, I don't want people to like now that i've released a documentary and stuff think that i'm like fully fully cured you know almost like I still always it's like it fluctuates you know some days I'm feeling great and then some days I'm just like I feel a bit lousy today or just like yeah a bit bit groggish so I think it it comes in waves really and uh, yeah it's definitely an ongoing thing with with me but I'm sure that's the case with everybody I I, I truly think it is and whilst this it's like potentially a hard a hard thing to hear and a tough pill to swallow um, I kind of made peace with it uh, especially over the last year, and that was essentially realizing that you're never going to be cured. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be over. But also, that's kind of freeing in a certain way, because then all you need to do is like work on finding the kind of systems and the things you do a to like live your life to minimize any issues, 
and B, to then cope with those issues. So that I use the reference of like, for me, what would have once been a bad week, I turn it into a bad day. And then I turn a bad day into a bad morning. And then I turn a bad morning into a bad 10 minutes. Yes. You know, what, what once would have, I'd have woken up and it would have knocked me out for the whole day and I'd have spent the day in bed and been like, I have to... I have to stop everything and reset button and oh my God, I need to sit and watch Star Wars and then I need to go for a walk and I need to do everything. Now I'm like, I've got a couple of things I can do that within 10 minutes I kind of reset my brain. Yes. Whether it's practicing a bit of bit of gratitude, sitting there, go tell you five things that you love right uh-huh. now and, you know, or, or, or going, right, actually I just need to walk on the beach. Or, like you said earlier, it's kind of, you've got to be flexible with it, haven't you? Yeah, you, absolutely. Different, different solutions for, for, for different things. Some days you might wake up and go, oh, I fancy jumping in the sea. Some days you wake up and you go, I want to stay in bed for a bit longer. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, and it's just uh, adapting to. I think I think that it kind of like yeah, you're always going to change your things that you do and stuff like that. I mean, the gratitude one is is great. It, that also can just kind of turn you around very quickly in the respect of like, okay, things are. Uh, I'm feeling a bit bad at the moment, but then it's like actually look at like look at what I have got to be grateful for here in my life. So that one for me really turns things around quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been like a a huge one for me as well. You know, previously, uh, sort of this time last year, up up until about sort of March, April last year, I was really bad for like, kind of always looking for something to be sad about. Yeah, like almost looking for a reason to be sad and really looking for the negative and things. And actually, what I should have been doing was, and what I do now, anytime I start to feel the anxiety in my hands start going, I start getting nervous or, or anytime I start feeling like depressed or anything, I, I immediately go, right, three, three things, three things that you're super grateful for. And they're not even big things. Sometimes I'm like, I'm grateful for the Coke Zero I've got in the fridge. Yeah. It's stupid things like that. I'm grateful the Coke Zero I've got in the fridge. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, my, that it's going to be windy this afternoon so I can go windsurfing. Yeah. You know, and I'm grateful that I can, afford to go out for dinner tonight mm-hmm. it, it's like three it doesn't have to be i'm grateful for my whole family and yes, friends yes and often, it's like simple things even exactly and and that makes it even easier because sometimes looking at the huge big things you're like oh fucking hell it's a bit you know a bit, yeah. a, a bit much and actually the things to be grateful for i've found are like silly little things in daily life definitely man and i think like for, from from my travels and like being out here and stuff we are so lucky to even have a roof over our heads you know that is like there's so many people out there in the world that are just like living on the streets or they're like, yeah, suffering with, with addiction and poverty and, you know, it's it's crazy. So yeah. it does sometimes, yeah, put things into perspective when you can just take a look and think, you know what, it's actually not so bad, really. I'm alive. That's like the, that's the one sacred thing that and all we really have to be is alive, you know. Mm. There is no, there is no real pressure for you to be anything else than just to live, you know. That's such a, such a cool cool thing to say yeah one in one in 400 million chance that you're here so you might as well enjoy yeah it. Might, might, might as well enjoy it exactly. while you can. yeah I, cape cape town especially well you know sadly as well but you do especially here you get your your daily dose of perspective don't you yes and that's what i call it i call it my daily dose of perspective whether it's yeah someone at the traffic lights you know sitting there you oh, know homeless it breaks my heart man. it's sad yeah but it, it like that's what i call it the daily as soon as if you're feeling shit you yeah. know, every time we drive past, I'm like, right, boys, daily dose of perspective. Yes, definitely. You know, let's 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 sit and enjoy this day, think, whatever think, it is. Things we do. aren't so bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ryan, 
absolutely loved having you on. Thank you very um, much. If people want to check out what you do, if people want to watch the vlogs, everything like that, where where can they go to find you? Um, so you can find us on Instagram and YouTube under the Peacock Brothers. That's where we have all our, our YouTube videos and, and vlogs as we spoke about previously. And then uh, you can follow myself on Instagram at RyanXPeacock. Yeah. Yeah, guys, uh, make sure you, you give it a follow. It's a good laugh, even even if you're not super into the to, into the wakeboarding. And if you're not into the wakeboarding, get into the wakeboarding. Get, get out on the water. Uh, there's definitely some some sort of healing aspect. I don't know what, what's going on, the science behind it. But, yeah, uh, get in the war. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we will see you for the next one.